We got the first USA Today coaches poll and what would a successful season look like for the Oklahoma Sooners? All that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Lockdown Sooners. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And joining me is Josh Helmer. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman from 9 to noon. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing? Oklahoma Sooners opening the season up in the coaches poll at number one. Uh, not quite, but we do have our preseason First look at the USA Today Sports AFCA Coaches Poll. We got a legitimate preseason poll, John. Yeah, how exciting. We are now in the throes of college football season when the preseason polls come out. And the Oklahoma Sooners coming at number nine. Just behind them at number 10 is the ba- are the Baylor Bears. And then at 11, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So what do you make of that? Because to me, that's kind of the first takeaway is that Looking at the Big 12, the coaches really don't know who the definitive favorite is. Yeah, by basically benefit of the doubt over the last recent history, not 2021 recent history, though I guess you could say that that's cooked in here a little bit with Baylor and Oklahoma State both being top 11 teams with some question marks of their own, you know, pieces that they're replacing, especially Oklahoma State defensively from last season but you kind of give the benefit of the doubt to Oklahoma because outside of last year OU had won six consecutive Big 12 championships yeah and so I think that's probably what gets Oklahoma the bump here uh but seeing Baylor and Oklahoma State sitting right behind them you know just one spot separating the three of them I think that's that's what's gonna probably transpire this season is that those three and then, you know, maybe Texas also jumping in there are going to be the three teams contending for the Big 12 title uh, throughout the season into the month of November. And, I mean, yeah, it's a preseason poll. It's a coach's poll. It doesn't define what's going to happen this season. But I think where Oklahoma's sitting is, is a good spot to start the season. It, it shows, like, hey, we still respect Oklahoma as a program. But we also need to see a little bit, little bit more. I mean, this is kind of – I mean, they were a little bit higher than this at the beginning of last season, but then even as an undefeated team, kind of we're, we're dropping spots in the college football playoff, the first college football playoff rankings, they started off at number eight. And so this was a team that even though they were undefeated when those first rankings came out, they weren't necessarily super highly respected as an undefeated team. And so I think that where they're at now is kind of like a show me, show me what you got. We, we, be, we believe that the program's great. We think that things are going to go well for Oklahoma, but we're not quite sure. So we're, we're ready to see some things on the football field before we're ready to, you know, bump you into that top five category where you've been for a lot of the last, you know, six, seven years. And I think at the very top of the USA Today coaches poll, no surprises, Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three. And that's kind of the presumptive three that most everybody like, it's going to be a surprise, I think, to a ton of people, John, if the national champion's not one of those three teams 
in 2022, at least going in. It feels like it's Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. It's one of those three probably. So no surprise to see those teams at the top. And relative to what you were talking about there with Oklahoma and having to prove it, quite frankly, OU, based on the way that last year played out and the fact that, okay, now you've got a transfer quarterback in, really talented transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel, but a quarterback that hasn't played in Norman, Oklahoma all the same. You're replacing a five-star there in, well, a couple of them, actually, in Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. You've had some defections at wide receiver with Jaden Hazelwood and with Mario Williams. Defensively, you know, all of your star power for the most part, you really are replacing. I think Jalen Redmond can become that guy. But in terms of who the genuine stars were, at least we thought going into last season, who was that defensively for OU? Well, it was Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, and Perion Winfrey. So it makes sense that an OU team that floundered down the stretch to the best opponents that it faced in both Baylor and Oklahoma State and really wasn't all that impressive against Iowa State either. And you mentioned it, even when they were 9-0, and they were kind of dropping like a rock in some people's minds just because they never had that quote-unquote national championship type Oklahoma feel to them. So the fact that they're right here at number nine, essentially where they started out the college football playoff rankings last year, John, I don't think it's much of a surprise. We could argue, should they be a spot or two higher? Yeah, maybe, but we got the respect of being the highest ranked Big 12 team, which is ultimately, you know, that necessarily you pound your fist on the table and say, are you kidding me? Oklahoma's a top five team. I mean, I think they're about where they should be. I mean, I think there are people probably on the outside looking in that could argue that Oklahoma should be lower, maybe. You know, is this even a top 10 team to start the season, given the questions that we have, or at least the questions nationally that we have about this team? I, I feel like there's a lot of people that were confident in Brent Venables and what he's going to bring to the program. But we've talked about this defense and what it ranked last year. We talked about the passing defense in particular. We, you just talked about the guys that they're having to replace on the defensive front. Now, we think the guys that they have on the depth chart that are going to be you know, taking a, the bulk of those snaps are going to be really good. We think they are. We project that they're going to be in the Alamo Bowl. They were great in the spring game. They look good. But now, now comes the time where we have to see it. Like seeing is believing in college football. You, you can't just have like this, this unmitigated faith. You have to see the evidence out on the field. And while we have great confidence in Brent Venables and what he's going to be able to do with the Oklahoma Sooners, it's time to start putting it to paper and like start putting it on the field and, and actually showing that this is going to be a different college football team than it was in the years past, that it's going to be a team that's able to go from good to great. And that a lot of those questions that we have about whether it's the, the quarterback situation or the defensive front, the past defense from last year, because a lot of those secondary guys are back minus your two leaders and you know Pat Fields and Deller and Turner Yale, that this is a different team, a team that's able to take a jump that's going to be able to play that dominating style of football that we see from the Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Georgias. We didn't see it last year out of Oklahoma. Now, different team, different program, new season. It's all a fresh start. I think this is going to be a great team, but it's time to start seeing it. And I think that's what kind of the coach's poll reflects on that. Now, what do you make of Texas getting that one first place vote there uh, being ranked number 18? Real quick, I just want to say one more thing on OU here. 
you kind of think about the teams that are regarded as national championship contenders and those top three teams. Well, Georgia, we think, okay, they're, they're going to have great defensive line play, even though they're replacing a lot of those guys, right? That's just the expectation. Alabama and Ohio State, we know a couple of things about those two. They've got Heisman Trophy quarterbacks, one which won the Heisman Trophy last year, and another in C.J. Stroud that probably, even though he didn't win the Heisman Trophy, is going to be the prohibited favorite in a lot of people's minds or right there, you know, 1B to uh, Bryce, obviously, at Alabama as the Heisman Trophy favorite. So you kind of look at it and you think about where OU was going into last year. I think everybody would have said definitively, okay, Oklahoma has elite quarterback play coming into this season with Spencer Rattler. Now, of course, it didn't really play out that way. You got a little bit of that from Caleb Williams. You thought you were going to have elite defensive line play. You did get that. But I just think about this OU team, John, and look across the board. And is there one position group that you can go in definitively into 2022 and say, you know what, they are absolutely unequivocally going to get elite play out of this position group, or they have the one of the top three or five uh, groups in all of college football. I don't know that there's one position group that you feel that way. Last year, defensive line quarterback, you probably did. And I think obviously that part of it is reflected in Oklahoma's ranking as well. Yeah, if there was one position position group that I felt the most confident in, it's the wide receiver group. And yet we still have some questions about that. You know, the who's going to be the slot wide receiver? Who's going to be the third guy? What's the rotation going to look like? How are they going to look in Jeff Levy's offense? I mean, that's the one I probably feel the most confident about. And, and there's still questions. So I, I think that's it's reasonable to go into the season having some doubts about the Oklahoma Sooners. That one Texas vote that you mentioned – had to be Nick Saban, right? I mean, come on. Who else is voting Texas number one in the coaches poll? It's absurd. Texas might wind up being the Big 12 champion, okay? They might wind up not being the Big 12 champion, but being vastly improved from five and seven. I've got no problem with that. I've got, you know, honestly, a lot of reasons that I can look at and say, okay, they got a five-star transfer quarterback coming in and Quinn Ewers from Ohio State. They've got Arguably, if it's not Jackson Smith in Jigba, then guess what? It probably is Xavier Worthy at Texas, who's the best wide receiver in America. A lot of people feel like B. John Robinson is the best running back in America. Okay, I get the skill, talent, and potentially the quarterback for Texas. Number one, though? Stop it. Are you kidding me? That's lunacy. Had to be Nick Saban. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that it wasn't Steve Sarkeesian because he even, he's not that delusional. At least we hope he's not that delusional. Of course, they did lose to Kansas, so you never know. Could just be causing all kinds of craziness happening down there in Austin. Now we're going to start talking about some things happening on the football field. What would it look like for the Oklahoma Sooners to have a successful season in 2022? Let's just start with a big picture view of this, Josh. Coming off of a season in which they were the odds-on favorite to, again, win the Big 12 championship in 2021, lost to, Bam, or to Baylor in Oklahoma State, Coming into this season with the, the questions that we have, it's kind of some of the just uncertainty. Even though we're confident, there's still a little bit level of uncertainty. From a win perspective, what's kind of a reasonable level of success that you're expecting from this Oklahoma Sooners team for it to be a successful season? And I think it's worth pointing out, this is viewer submitted. Right oh, yeah, sorry. This is an idea from Book Nerd over there on YouTube. So if you've got suggestions, things that you'd like to hear us talk about, make sure you drop it in YouTube. Book Nerd provided this one. And thank you for that. We love all the submissions and feedback from all of you. 
I think I've been pretty steadfast in the fact that it's win the Big 12 championship. We don't know, again, what that timeline looks like for Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. The the more time that goes by that Oklahoma and Texas don't announce that they're going to the SEC by XYZ date, the more you, you just wonder, are, are they just going to wind up playing the entire <laughs> grain of rights out here in the Big 12? I don't know, maybe, but there's still kind of that thought that, okay, this could be the final season in the Big 12 Conference. And if not that, then maybe the year after that, right? Or even if it's the next three seasons, eventually, and it's not too far away, it's not even a full graduation cycle away, you will be playing in the SEC. So with that in mind, I think it's imperative, John, for Oklahoma that Oklahoma regains the Big 12 crown. Six years in a row, they had won this thing. Obviously, they faltered a year ago when maybe they were a more sizable favorite going in, John, than at any other point in those those six years that they won the Big 12 championship. And that was the year that they didn't get it done. So from that perspective, I think it's, you know, that's ground zero. That's exhibit A. That's the first thing you look at. Oklahoma needs to win the Big 12 championship, whatever that looks like. It could be a 9-3 and regular season where you get into the Big 12 championship and win that game. I do think that would be disappointing if we're talking about three regular season losses. 10-2, and get into the Big 12 championship, win that game, whatever. You know, even if the disappointments caked in there a little bit with three, two losses, whatever it would look like, if OU wins the Big 12 championship in year one with Brent Venables, I mean, to me, you have to turn around and say, okay, you know, they hadn't done that the year before they lost that reign on the Big 12 conference. That alone, to me, would be successful. Yeah, I think that's where I'd, I'd fall to. I think just having another, you know, double-digit 10-win season or so, isn't enough you know like after you know two seasons two seasons ago they barely got into the big 12 title game they won it last season missed out completely if they were to miss out again on the big 12 title game that would be disappointing Uh, even if it was even if they get in with like a nine and three record to me that would be disappointing but to to miss out on the big 12 title game altogether for a second year in a row that would be a, a disappointment for me so i think you're right you know winning the big 12 kind of constitutes success uh, it may not even if you win it with one loss, it still may not be enough to get into the the college football playoff. And so I think that might be unrealistic expectations because you can never know really how the playoff committee is going to view things. And so setting that expectation can kind of be unreasonable a little bit. But I think putting this team in the Big 12 title game and saying that's the goal, that's the expectation, I think that's not unreasonable. You're you're the team that's won the most Big 12 titles in the conference's history by an overwhelming amount. So your expectation should continue to be big 12 titles. If you do that and you're able to do so with, you know, just one loss or fewer, then that's going to put you in a great position to compete for a national title, but you got to win the conference first. And yeah, I feel like that's a reasonable expectation on the defensive side of the football. This is where we're seeing kind of a lot of people talk about where they need to grow. They need to have a higher level of play, a higher level of standard, What's your expectation for that? You know, Bookner, he suggests, is it is it a top 25 defense? Is it a top 50 defense? I mean, what does this team have to do for, for it to be considered a successful season on the defensive side of the ball? I'm glad that this follow-up question was asked because so when the Big 12 championship to me, that's macro, right? That's what we're talking big picture with Oklahoma, what will make the season a success. I think that's kind of where you start there when you start breaking down what a successful season looks like for Oklahoma, 
I do think you get into some of the micros of it. And part of that is defensively. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest parts for Oklahoma in 2022 is tangible defensive improvement. Does that mean a top 25 scoring defense? I mean, I think, yeah, every year Oklahoma should have a top 25 scoring defense. I think every single year Oklahoma should have a top 25 yards per game allowed defense. That's the standard at the University of Oklahoma. And at some point, Oklahoma needs to do better than that, right? At some point they need to, if they want to be a national championship type team or a regular national championship type team, eventually you got to crack the top 10, I think, on both of those lists or top 15, right? I mean, you need to be elite defensively to win a national championship. So I think top 30 in year one, right, for both of those respective categories, scoring defense, total defense, I think those are reasonable figures to expect as an Oklahoma fan. I think you've got enough talent to do that, John. I I can tell you this, definitely the secondary better be better than 109th in America. So last year they allowed just over 25 points per game, put them at 60th in scoring defense. To get to 30th, Based on last year's results, they'd have to allow just 22 points per game. That's a field goal difference. And while that might not sound like much, like over the course of the season, I mean, that could be the difference between some wins and losses. I mean, how many close games did we see this team play last year where, you know, against West Virginia, a three-point game. Uh, against Kansas State, I believe it was a four-point game. And so there's a lot of a lot of these games were, were closely decided. Uh, Tulane, five points. Like, this is a team that if they're going to be able to increase that margin of victory i think a lot of it has to come from the defensive side of the football we know the we think the offense is going to be good there's there's no reason why the offense shouldn't continue to put up lots of points lots of yards score at a high rate but if the defense isn't able to bring down that points per game to 22 20 i'd even you know hazard to like 18 like a full touchdown difference i don't know if we're going to see a lot of like big wins if it's not going to be that drastic of a difference defensively. And so I think, I think you're right. Like if this team can kind of get into the top 30, top 25 and scoring defense, I think that's going to be a big win for them. Um, especially given all the turnover that they've had, but realistically, like even if they can get just into the, into the top 50, you know, go from 60 to 50, I think that that's market improvement especially that you're, you lost a lot of talent off of last year's team. Again, they've got a lot of talent on this year's team. But I think kind of incremental improvement is still successful. It just might not be as fast as we want it to be. Even Brent Venables mentioned it you know, during the summer. He's like, we didn't turn Clemson into Clemson overnight. I don't know if Oklahoma fans are going to be as patient as Clemson fans were, but you know, this is going to be a team that we need to, to see some market improvement, especially on the defensive side of the football. No doubt. And no, Oklahoma fans will not be as patient as Clemson fans. And oh, by the way, thank you for the Tulane PTSD as well there. Always nice to mix that in with the uh, green wave. They have to improve in the scoring defense, Mark. I, I, To me, I would say top 40. I mean, if they're not top 40, to me, that's pretty disappointing. And look, I get it. That's talking about jumping 20 spots from 60 to 40, but – in a Big 12 conference that, let's face it, they're not playing John Elway every single week at quarterback. We don't know about Quinn Ewers at Texas. Adrian Martinez, okay, let's see how it plays out at Kansas State. But there's a reason that Nebraska wasn't too upset about Adrian Martinez leaving town. 
So, yeah, while you got a Deuce Vaughn up there at Kansas State, you know, a lot of the great teams in this conference, what have we spent a lot of time talking about with the reigning Big 12 quarterback of the year in Spitzer Sanders? This guy's really up and down, right? He likes to throw the football to you. So I think from that perspective, it's going to be, to me, pretty disappointing. Unless this Big 12 conference, John, winds up being a league that I'm not necessarily expecting it to be offensively. To me, I mean, come on, <laughs> top 40 against this conference? You can't be that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a reasonable expectation for this defense is get into the top 40. That's not that big of a jump. I mean, we talked about top 30 being just three points per game. So if you can at least make that improvement, I think that'd be significant. And I think that would change the perception of Oklahoma's defense throughout the year. And and perception is reality. I know like we talk about, you know, perception not mattering. But in this world where we have rankings and playoff rankings that are very subjective, perception does matter. And the reason Oklahoma wasn't ever rated very highly last year in the college football playoff rankings is because they were perceived as a team that wasn't dominant. And that proved to be the case. And so if you want to create this perception of your team being dominant, that's where it's going to have to change is on the defensive side of the football. And, and that's, that's one thing that book nerd said on YouTube. So subscribe to the channel over there on YouTube. Hey, he great said, name by the way. Yeah. And so he's, here's what he said is success for him. Success for me is seeing this team play explosive and disciplined on both sides of the ball and skyrocketing into next year with the same chip on their shoulder, regardless of season accolades at the end. So he's not even, necessarily putting it on they got to win the conference championship they got to have this many you know all big 12 first team selections he's saying i like i kind of like the the characteristics of what he wants this team to look like and then having that carry over into 2023 what's your take on that i think it's well said yeah i mean look it's gonna be hard for me not to again judge this season not strictly or solely on numbers but to some degree i mean look it's sports it's you either win championships you either win games or you don't and so to me i'm going to yeah judge oklahoma by whether or not they win the big 12 conference again whether or not they're a double digit win team against a schedule that quite frankly john i don't think is very good but generally speaking the character traits of oklahoma yes i I think that's well said and if you're telling me right now that oklahoma is not winning a national championship in 2022 which I don't think Oklahoma's winning a national championship in 2022. Then, yes, outside of, you know, 11 wins, 12 wins, a Big 12 championship, you want to win as many as you can. But almost more importantly than that is, yes, the complexion of this Oklahoma program. What does it look like? What does it feel like culturally? Who is Oklahoma coming out on the other side of this 2022 season? Yeah, and that's that's what everybody's looking forward to seeing is, is this team going to look – like the violent, tenacious, nasty team that Brent Venables and his assistants are wanting to put in place for this team in in the future because that's all we heard about at OU Media Day from the defensive side of the ball is they want their guys playing violent. And that's something that we can tangibly see on, on, on game days is what does this team look like? What does the nature of this team look like? And I think we can we can fairly judge how things are going in Norman if they're starting to take on the characteristics of their head coach and their coaching staff, just this relentless style of play, aggressive style of play. If we're starting to see that on the football field, then we'll know like Brent Venables has got his message across. 
And I think if we do start seeing that, we're going to start seeing a lot of wins. You know, and so, you know, book nerds kind of taking it from like a bottom up approach, you know, like let's build the program, build the culture and the wins will come. Um, obviously, I think, you know, we're, we're talking more in the macro, which is an important thing because you can be great. You can have a great culture, but if you don't win football games, you're not going to be here very long. Um, but I think both of us highly, very much expect Brent Venables to win a lot of football games in his time at Oklahoma. And I expect him to win a lot of games at Oklahoma in 2022 at Oklahoma, John. I mean, I I have every expectation that OU is going to be the best team in the Big 12 Conference. I think they're talented enough to go win this league, and I think they're going to go do that. Yep, and we are still just a few weeks out from UTEP coming to Norman on September 3rd. Uh, almost three weeks away at this point. So we're, we're excited to be able to talk through Oklahoma football, what the depth chart's going to look like, start doing more of our uh, positional previews as we go along. But, man, it's getting side excited. Josh, what's kind of one of the things that you're most looking forward to seeing from this team in 2022? Oh, man, to try and narrow it down to one is, you know, obviously makes it challenging. Dylan Gabriel, low-hanging fruit. I won't go there. I just – continued to be very, very intrigued with, I think the biggest storyline for Oklahoma, John, and this encompasses a lot of position groups, so maybe it's unfair, but how do the transfer portal additions not named Dylan Gabriel, how do they fit in? And particularly, how do they fit in on the defensive side of the football? I think that's what I'm most interested in seeing. And if it wasn't that, then especially now, given some recent developments at the University of Oklahoma, and we don't need to hash all of that out again. You know what I'm about to say. How the wide receivers come together outside of Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss, I think that's now a storyline that has taken on greater importance. Yeah, and I think for me, it's uh, Key Lawrence. I want to see, can he kind of take that next step to becoming an elite safety in college football? Because he showed some traits last year, showed that he was good in coverage, so that he could be an impact player create turnovers. I want to see, can he take that next step and be considered one of the best safeties in college football? Because if that happens, that's going to go a long way to helping this Oklahoma Sooners defense become the, the defense that we think it can be. Key Lawrence is going to be a big, big piece in that. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Subscribe to the show over on YouTube. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about on a given Monday through Friday. We're here with you five days a week now that we're approaching football season. We're a little bit late on our Monday episode. We were just because I was at Silver Dollar City with the family, having a good time, sweating in the heat, riding some fire in the hole, uh, but had a good time out there. But we're going to be caught up with you and, and making sure we get quality content out to you five days a week here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. It's your team every single day. Again, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. But for Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.